the Prepper Podcast. The American people would never vote for socialism. He said, under the name of liberalism, the American people will adapt every fragment of the socialist program. Podcast is an up-to-date survival podcast based on military wilderness and modern-day survival and may be found at theprepperpodcast.com. I'm Ken Jensen, and this is the podcast about everything survival. My goal is to teach you strategies on self-reliance and to develop survival skills and critical thinking in everyone, resulting in a more resilient and enjoyable life. And it's Thanksgiving! It's time for fun, family, food, and thankfulness. But your historic knowledge is most certainly completely wrong. The true Thanksgiving story was not about the pilgrims and Indians sitting down to a huge feast of turkey and corn. It was a story of people barely able to survive, learning to hunt from a slave, and one about communism, drought, famine, failure, and faith. Listen up, and I will tell you the real story of real preppers making real mistakes and ultimately achieving victory. The reason why you're here now. Okay, so just like every single Thanksgiving episode, I created one, and it was really good. It wasn't as good as it could have been because I've gotten better at podcasting, but I thought it was good enough that I'm going to start using it for all my Thanksgiving episodes. So I'm going to throw back to my first Thanksgiving episode. Uh, Actually, I'm going to throw back to last year's, which is going to have the first one in there. And we're going to talk about Thanksgiving. So uh, just listen up, and you're going to learn some valuable lessons and some awesome stories. The holidays are here. It's time to slow down a bit, okay? It's time to slow down a little bit. It's the holidays. Take time to enjoy our blessings. Okay, survivalists always talk about the problems in this country. We're always talking about the bad things that the government are doing, and we're talking about the uh, get ready because there's an imminent threat, and it's always coming your way, and things like that. So many times we forget just how good we actually have it in this country. Okay, this nation has a lot of good things going for it, and those of us in the survival community, although we understand all the bad things that are going on, those are in the belly of the beasts. You have to understand that even though you know all the crazy things that are going on in this country, you also need to realize that there are a lot of good things. We need to take time to talk about how great things are and how great things can be in the United States or anywhere. Okay, this isn't just our country. All countries are doing dumb stuff. All countries have people that uh, don't agree with what their government's doing and stuff. But we can take time to talk about how great the nation is, no matter where you live. There are a lot of nations that give you uh, a decent amount of liberties. And, you know, the United States is one of them. 
okay? The poverty level, people below the poverty level in the United States are more privileged than the quote-unquote wealthy in many other countries. Think about that. Our poorest people, other than the homeless, obviously, our poorest people are more privileged than wealthy people in many other countries. All right, so overall, this country is not a bad place to grow up. You can grow up in poverty and change your outcome. As a matter of fact, I did. I grew up dirt poor and have changed my outcome, okay? And as a matter of fact, my brothers and sisters, almost all of them have changed their outcome as well. They are doing great, and we all grew up dirt poor. I am a very good example to the opportunities in this country, okay? I, like I said, I was very poor. We were poor. We lacked government assistance, okay? So not only were we poor, but we didn't have a lot of government help, okay? Let me, let me tell you about one of the homes that I lived in, okay? And, and I'll kind of explain. This is what we could afford at the time. <laughs> we actually had a roof over our heads, but that's about all we had. We had no electricity. We had no uh, propane in the tank in the back. We had busted out windows. So this means that we had no heat. We had no air conditioning. Well, actually, we did have heat. We had a boarded up fireplace. A boarded up fireplace that we pulled the plywood off of the fireplace. Obviously, we looked up through the fireplace. It looked semi-clean. And we started fires in our fireplace inside this hot or inside this extremely cold, drafty, and electricity uh, house. The only thing that we had was we had running water. And we had running water because our well pump was actually connected to chicken houses. So the people who own the chicken houses, they paid the electricity for the well pump, and that is the only reason why we had running water at the time. Okay, so that's how we had it. As a matter of fact, um, I remember getting wood for the fireplace and fires and stuff like that. I remember getting the wood for that. We didn't have the money for an axe or a chainsaw. So what we did is if we could get it, we would borrow it. But there was a, an area around where we lived where a lot of logging was done. And we would go and we would pick up all of the branches and stuff like that that they left. And that's the stuff that we would cut up. We wouldn't cut down new trees. We would just use all the stuff that they had left behind during logging. We would load that up in the back of a van. I mean, we would have this stuff on our laps, and we would take this to the house, stack it up by the fireplace with all the bugs and stuff intact because we didn't have a place outside to put it. And we would stack the stuff up by the fireplace, and we would keep the fireplace fed. And the fireplace was very smoky because we didn't even have the money to get it cleaned out. All right, this was dirt poor. We were about as poor as you could be. In order to take a bath, we had to heat up water in the fireplace. This this is way back when people used to actually do this stuff now, right? This this is a lot like back then, except the fact that the fireplaces and stuff in the new modern homes, they're more ornamental than they are useful. They're small, they're compact, and they're just there to be seen. They're not really there to heat up an entire house, and they're not really there to cook food and stuff on. But that's what we did. I also had to cook food. My mother would go to work, all right, and, and it would be us, 
on our own at the house while she was at work. And I know that she did the best she could because she was working her tail off and I would have to watch my uh, my my brother and we would I would have to cook food for him in a you know, like a, in a can on the fire. It it was ridiculous. I would I would fashion up some kind of stick and I would have to make sure that it didn't burn. I would have to cook the stuff over a fireplace or over a fire outside. All right. I I just I distinctly remember heating up a can of ranch style beans on an open flame in the backyard because that's the only thing that we had. Now we had TV. <laughs> we had TV. It was an antenna TV, but we had it. And we ran it too. Because you know what it was? It was about a $30 black and white rabbit ear TV. It's a 12 volt TV. And what I used to do at and let's let's just think about the, the years here. I was probably at the time that I'm talking about the battery stuff, I was probably somewhere around uh, let's say 13 or 14, something like that. And I was pulling batteries out of our vehicle or, or we would park the van really, really close to the house and we would connect the TV up to the van. Now we didn't watch TV that often. We just did it to get a little bit of current news and then shut it down. But we did listen to the radio a lot. We would just sit there in the living room by the fire inhaling smoke and listening to the local radio station on a old black and white rabbit ear TV. All right. That, that was our best day during that time. Now we've, we got out of that kind of stuff and, and all that, but that, that was the way it was. And you know, she worked at a convenience store. Now, if this were many other countries, I would be doing the exact same thing that she did, or I'd be doing the exact same thing that my father did um, before they, you know, I would be doing the same thing that either my mother or father did. All right. Well, back in the day, it would have been my father, obviously. But like I said, if this were any other country, I'd still be doing their trade. I was given a chance to learn a trade. Like you can learn trades. You can learn skills. You can learn collegiate learning. I was given a chance to learn. I had schooling. I went and you know, I've, I've operated nuclear reactors. I go from a guy who doesn't have any electricity or any, um, gas or propane or anything like that. I have no utilities. I go from a guy who has no utilities to running a nuclear reactor for a grid. Okay. So tell me that there's not chances to learn new skills. Because I'm going to tell you that you can take that opinion and go shove it where the sun doesn't shine. Because I was given a great chance. Not only that, but I was given the opportunity to get into the real estate market. And I was given the opportunity to be an electrician. And I've been given the opportunity to present this podcast to every single one of you. I was not born into a life of privilege. I had to struggle and work hard to get there so that I am able to give my children a life of privilege. I was able to start a business and completely blow it and completely flop. The business just freaking fell apart. But then I was able to start another business and develop it and grow it. And you're listening to that business now. 
All right, it's true that our government is corrupt, like all governments. It's true they watch your every move with the NSA. It's true that they infringe on our rights and steal a percentage of our wealth. But the fact is this, we have the right, the privilege, and the ability to change our lives based on our desires. I am on a journey. I never thought that I would be where I am at now. Okay, I'm not at my final destination, but I am changing my life in a continuous journey. And that I'm thankful for. Many other countries, past and future, you grow into your family occupation and social status. Okay, if your father was a blacksmith, you would grow up as a blacksmith's apprentice. Okay, and if you did well as a blacksmith apprentice, actually, you pretty much would become the blacksmith. Um, after your father passed away, you would be the new blacksmith. Until then, you were the blacksmith's apprentice, and that's what you did. All right, if you were born into royalty, you were royalty. If you weren't, you weren't. If you were a commoner, you were a commoner. That's exactly what it was. All right, there were a few exceptions, but not many. There were certain people that figured out ways and were ambitious enough to figure out ways to get what they wanted. All right. But you didn't choose what you were going to do in life. You were pushed into it. It was chosen for you. So understand how good each and every one of you have it. Because I understand how good I have it. Why do you think with all the problems that we have in this country, I haven't decided to just up and run off? Because I still understand that there is an eight freedoms in this country that are available very few other places. Okay, so first... All right, I'm going to ask you to do a couple things. First, I want you to enjoy this Thanksgiving holiday and Christmas and everything else that's coming up. I want you to enjoy spending time with your family. Enjoy the overabundance of food. All right, you get to pick out and wear your stretchy pants so that so that when you pick out, it doesn't hurt too bad. All right, enjoy the fact that you have a warm home to sleep in. I enjoy that. Because I know what it's like to not have one. And enjoy the electronics and technology that brings this podcast to you. Next, I want, to, I want you, now that you're thankful and enjoying what you have, I want you to find one person that has less than you. They don't have to be homeless people or anything like that. I want you to find one person that has less than you I want you to give that person something from the heart. If you have children, use this time to teach them how great it feels to help someone less fortunate. And now, I want you to listen to my very first Thanksgiving podcast on theprepperpodcast.com. This podcast is a history lesson of Thanksgiving, the real story of the first Thanksgiving, and how it was started. The typical story that you learn in all the uh, elementary books and you see all of the different um, plays and, and storylines and stuff like that done by the elementary students is then in, in 1621, everybody showed up, everybody was hungry, and these happy Indians showed up and they showed them how to plant corn and they gave them turkey and everybody sat down to a huge feast and everybody was happy, and they shared stuff, and everybody was loving life. Everybody was happy, 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 as they would say on Duck Dynasty. Uh, there's a little plug for you. Um, 
that's not really what happened, though. Uh, the, the feast that they're talking about was actually a hunting party that they had with the Indians that lasted three days long, and there was actually no Thanksgiving that was actually given during that time. I'm sure because they were um, because they were the pilgrims, they prayed and stuff like that. But there was actually no legitimate uh, Thanksgiving that was acknowledged uh, in any written history. All right. Now there is a controversy around Thanksgiving. The other controversy is that there was a big genocide. And the thing is, is uh, mostly I found this version of the story. Um, it was being put out there by a lot of people that were members of the Native American community, which, guys, I actually have quite a bit of Native American in my blood. I'm not full blood, but I also have a lot of Danish in me as well, but you wouldn't call me a Dane because I'm not full blood and I'm not over in Denmark. So, the other view that's being given out there um, is they're trying to make it a day of mourning instead of people enjoying Thanksgiving because in 1637, in the Massachusetts Bay Colony, remember that name, the Massachusetts Bay Colony, um, who were all Puritans, in 1637, they killed 700 Indians. They went, massacred 700 people, and that's men, women, and children. They came back. And then Governor John Winthrop of the Massachusetts Bay Colony said that it was a day of Thanksgiving because all of his volunteers showed up unharmed, unscathed, and obviously with lots of arms because that's what they went there with to slaughter these Indians. Now, I do not want to belittle what happened there because it was a horrible thing, but that's not Thanksgiving. That was in 1637. That's not anywhere near when Thanksgiving was. All right. So look, guys, not to belittle your day of mourning, but your day of mourning isn't going to trump Thanksgiving. It was over 15 years later. So here is my story of the real Thanksgiving. In 1621, the pilgrims landed and founded New Plymouth, half of the colony, was starved and got sick, all right? Think about that. Over half of the colony starved and got sick. These people died. And one of these people was the governor's wife, okay? So keep that in mind. These aren't happy times, all right? These people were not Puritans. They were separatists, which, uh, which is English dissenters, all right? If you think about it in today's terms... They were enemies of the state of England. They were not considered great people. They were pathetic hunters and horrible butchers. They couldn't do jack. All right? they, they couldn't hunt. They couldn't uh, prepare the meat and stuff like that. They didn't know very much about curing. These were essentially city-dwelling people. They were bad at anything survival and great at prayer. So let that be a lesson to you, that prayer is a great thing. If you have faith, that will get you through a lot. It got them through a lot, but I'm telling you that you also need to learn some survival things. All right, so they were separatists. They were pathetic hunters. They were essentially English city folk, all right, and they barely made it through their first winter alive. 
Now, you remember the old Squanto guy that they talk about in the the regular story? Um, and they talk about Squanto showing up with the Indians, and that's whenever they taught them how to do a bunch of stuff. Well, a part of that is true, but um, Squanto was actually a slave. Squanto went to England on a, bo- uh, on a boat uh, as a slave, all right? And he was one of the few people that survived slavery in England. He was the one who got smallpox and a whole bunch of other things they they had a lot of diseases while they were over there and he came back to the homeland and um got with his people again and he knew all the languages and the mannerisms of the uh, people in the colony so he even though he came back from slavery he taught them how to hunt game how to fish cod how to trap for hides and grow corn so Squanto was a pretty cool guy. Um, he didn't hold a whole lot against them. Um, this tied into the 1621 period, okay? So that portion of the story is actually relatively accurate. In 1621, Squanto helped them learn how to do these things. Okay, their system. Their system was set up as a communist system, believe it or not. They decided that they were going to allot land. They were going to share the land and the production from all of their um all of their crops. Okay, the the harvest was going to be shared in common. Okay? Um <laughs> it did not work very well. Uh in 16 by by 1623 they realized it wasn't working it was failing big they could not figure out why in the world it was failing so like all government they held a meeting but this was a localized government so the meeting actually did some good okay they decided that sharing the land and the production was not a great thing because what's happening is all of the young strong strapping people um decided that they weren't going to work harder than everybody else so that all of their production is being taken up by the people who were not working very well um so i mean it's kind of like a lot of the stuff today you know if you think about it um you know working and paying your taxes and then your taxes get allocated to other people that live on welfare now i'm not talking about people who legitimately need the welfare but you know that there are people that abuse the system and that's what i'm talking about well this is what they dealt with there were people that were lazy and weak and abused the system of shared production Well, they decided in this meeting in 1623 that they were no longer going to share the production. Everybody was allotted the land for the numbers in their family, but they were not required to share production of the land. So it was shared land, but not shared production. And this was a raging success. These guys, they were... um, I mean, all the people that were willing to give or were willing to work hard, they gained a lot. They got a lot of crops and things like that. And that's the thing is in a system like this where you're allowed to reap the benefits of what you're sowing, no pun intended, but you're you're allowed to reap what you sow, then 
you allow people that are gracious and giving to actually give to all of the people that um, are lacking. If you see a need, you feel the need because it makes you feel good. But by having a system where everybody has to share in common, you take away people's ability to give and to feel good about giving, and you replace it with a system of welfare where everybody's fat, weak, and lazy. So, the communism system did not work, but the new system was a raging success. That was until there was a drought. There was a drought, and they didn't think that their harvest was actually going to come that first year. And it really, really sucked for them. Um, so everything was weak, and nothing looked like it was going to produce. Uh, they were starting to have a dwindling food supply, and they didn't think anything was going to last. So that actually pushed them into a, an observance that they called an observance of humiliation, which is prayer and fasting. Remember, these are Christian folk. So prayer and fasting is a very religious thing where you are giving up something that is uh, very near and dear to your heart, because you believe that that sacrifice pleases God and your prayer will be heard better. That is a Christian thing. All right. So after each of these um, prayer and fasting sessions, which could last a day or two, they had one decent sized meal after each one. All right. And, and as food dwindled more and more and more and, you know, the colony could see that they became more frequent. They started prayer and fasting a lot more frequently having meals afterward. All right. This is another thing that people think were, you know, was um, was uh, the real story of Thanksgiving. All right. But after one of these, um, when, when they're really getting into the prayer and fasting uh, quite frequently, uh, they actually had a 14-day reign that just after this 14-day reign, after that drought, all of these plants are like, you know, hurting for nutrients and things like that. They had a 14-day reign and all the crops flourished. They revived. They started producing because they were already in a hurt state. And once they saw that, that rain, they soaked that crap up and they just bloomed. Everything was really, really good. And they ended up having a huge harvest. They attributed this harvest to God because they had been doing the prayer and fasting with patience and endurance. So they attributed it to God. So on November 29th, 1623, Governor Bradford proclaimed a day of thanksgiving. November 29th, 1623, a day of thanksgiving was proclaimed by Governor Bradford of the new Plymouth Colony. In my opinion, based on all the facts that I've given you, this is my belief, which is the real thanksgiving. There was no sharing of food with the natives. This was purely the colony, and it was the first thanksgiving documented under civil authority. This is the one that I feel is real. Okay? And... I'm going to get to the reason why this is important, why we should not overlook this aspect of Thanksgiving, because there are a lot of lessons learned. Well, I'm going to real quick go into um, just a little historical stuff, um, so just be patient with me, and then I'll get into the lessons learned. 
I'm going to go into the national observances of Thanksgiving. Um, so John Hansen, who was president of the Continental Congress on October 11th, 1782, declared that the fourth Thursday of every November was to be Thanksgiving Day. Then, September 25th, 1789. All right, so this is seven years later. Congressman Elias Budenot from New Jersey, hopefully I pronounced that correctly, um, proposed that the House and the Senate jointly request of President Washington to proclaim a day of thanksgiving for, quote, the many signal favors of the Almighty God, end quote, one day after the House of Reps voted to recommend the First Amendment of the newly drafted Constitution of the United States for ratification. So one day after the House of Representatives voted to recommend the First Amendment to the Constitution for ratification, they had a day of Thanksgiving. This was September 25th, 1789. October 3rd, 1789. Once again, not November, is it? But October 3rd, 1789, George Washington created the first Thanksgiving Day designated by the national government of the United States of America. So that was just a real quick national history um, beyond like the real story. I just wanted to kind of throw that in there. It's nice to know some of the history of our nation since uh, it is our nation and you need to know history because that's where we learn. Speaking of learning, that is the perfect segue into the lessons learned from the real Thanksgiving and why we should not overlook the real Thanksgiving story and just go with the story that the children tell us in their plays. So lesson number one is that communism does not work. People are lazy and selfish and will take advantage of any chance of not working. I'm not discluding myself or my family, even though we have something in our, um, you know, we have this whole survivalist thing going on, so it requires us to do work to prepare. But if you really think about it, it's so that we have less that we have to do if something goes wrong. People are lazy and selfish. They will take they will take advantage of the system and they do not want to work for someone else's gain. They want to work for their own gain. They don't want to work for the gain of others, which is much like the modern day welfare system when people are taking advantage of it. But what people are also, which is a great thing, is they are very gracious and very giving most of the time. People give when they see a need because it makes them feel good, okay? You give because it makes you feel good about yourself and about what you're doing. I don't care if you do the whole, well, God says to give, God says this, or it's the right thing to do socially is to give. People give because they feel good about it, whether that's wrapped in a in a political envelope, if that's wrapped in a religious envelope or a social envelope. People give because it feels good. And that's not a bad thing. It would feel bad if it was a bad thing. People are meant to feel good when they give to other people when they see a need. So, Russia screwed up as well. We all know communist Russia screwed up. And it was a lot harder on them because the population of New Plymouth was so small that... uh, 
that they could turn their mistakes around quickly and effectively. So the shared land worked, but the shared gain did not. And that, once again, is because of how small they were. The shared land is kind of a hard thing to work out um, in as uh, in a nationwide thing. That, that would be very difficult to do, and it would probably not be a very good system. But the big key here is the shared gain did not work. <laughs> now... I know that there are a lot of little communities popping up all over the place. And the ones that I see that are thriving, and I know several of them, and I'm friends with people that are in them, the ones that are thriving are the ones that they have people, they either share land or they don't share land. That part isn't the really important part, but a lot of them do share land. They're allotted a certain amount of land, but they are allowed to do whatever they want to with the land. They are allowed to get whatever gain they want from the land, and if they don't want to work the land, then they don't have to, but they better have a job outside the community to allow them to support themselves. All right, so communism doesn't work. And guess what our new governmental system is starting to resemble? We can call it a neo-fascist government, which is not the fast, not a fascist government where the government takes control of the business, but a neo-fascist government where the businesses take control of the government. That is what we're dealing with now. But the system that is run by the government is starting to resemble that of communism. We should, sorry about that, lesson number two is we should all be prepared for the rough times ahead, just like the pilgrims had. We don't know what's ever going to happen, but we should do things to prepare. We should learn new skills. We should know how to hunt, fish, trap, build, and much, much more. Today, if I have time, I'm actually doing something that I think is just a real cool project, and maybe I'll post some pictures on CleverSurvivalist.com, which is my blog, but I'm actually going to be doing a DIY project, um, and I'm going to be cutting a soda can in half and making a burner out of it. Now, what I'm talking about is like a cook stove burner out of that and alcohol. So... Hopefully that'll turn out well. Hopefully I'll get the time to do that today. But these little things, you think, oh, that's kind of cool. But ultimately, they are providing me with skills and knowledge that I need to make things and to survive. Okay? So I want everyone to learn how to do the necessary things for survival. Half of the separatist population died in the first year because they had no idea what they were doing. If you ever end up in a situation with minimal or no support, it would do you well to be self-sufficient, self-reliant. Lesson number three. If hard times hit, it would be a good idea to have a small community or a neighborhood of like-minded people that can work to a common goal of sustainability and survival. This includes people that have the necessary skills and people that are generous. So you're going to want somebody, if, if you plan on being a community that has power, you're going to want somebody who knows electricity and somebody who knows alternative energy. You're going to need somebody who is good with security. There are a lot of different skills necessary to make something thrive. 
and you're going to want a community of diverse skills, people who can give and take, all right? People that can barter their skills with other people so that they can get what they need. That's how the whole system goes. It's a system of bartering and a system of borrowing skilled labor. My call to action for you guys. Number one, go to iTunes and give me a review and a comment. The next one, learn a new self-reliant skill this holiday weekend. It doesn't have to be anything big. One small thing will suffice because the other call to action is to spend tons of time with the family. I am recording this early so that I can spend time with my family. Spend lots of time with them. And if you're single, then go and give to a charity that is needy. I believe in charity. We have um, we have in the past given turkeys out for charity for people who don't have anything. So that's what we do as a family a lot of times. So I do believe in charity, and I want people to learn to be charitable. So learn it early while you're single. Now have a happy and fun-filled Thanksgiving. Learn a new self-reliant skill this holiday weekend. Spend tons of time with the family. If you're single, give charity to the needy, okay? If you couldn't take show notes because you were on the go, don't worry. I took detailed notes for you that you can find at thepreppercast.com. Don't forget to give me a review at thepreppercast.com forward slash iTunes or at thepreppercast.com forward slash Stitcher. And with that, this was Ken Jensen of thepreppercast.com teaching you strategies on self-reliance so that you can build a more resilient and enjoyable life. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. This is Ken, signing out.